What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Respect the Craft. This is episode number 152. And I'm joined here by the Messiah of old school. He's an honest vet, Mr. Sean Donovan. Good evening, sir. How's it going? Good evening. Thank you. And uh, pretty uh, cool uh, intro and graphics you got. It's uh, nice to be on something very professional. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, thank you again for joining us here. This is a conversation I definitely wanted to have. So I'm glad we can finally have it here today. Appreciate you having me and uh, hopefully we'll make it a good one. Hopefully so. So before we get into the questions, I do have to, I want to ask you, uh, I have to mm -hmm. ask you the question, ask everyone that comes on, you heard the name of the podcast. So it's called respect the craft. When you hear that term though, the craft, what does that mean mm -hmm. to you? Uh, when I hear the word craft, I mean, it encompasses everything in the sport of professional wrestling. It's respecting, uh, the heritage first and foremost of where wrestling came from and and the reason why we're here at this point whether you're a fan or you're an individual inside of our industry uh that's one you know thing that kind of sticks out to me when it comes to respecting you know the craft itself you know the second part of that is if you are a performer um it's respecting what we do inside of a wrestling ring you know there's so many written and unwritten rules in our in our industry that uh, hopefully you know we'd like everybody to be taught the right way but unfortunately not everybody gets the opportunity to learn from you know seasoned individuals you know or, or those that may have as as much time in in professional wrestling as those that you know brought me into the industry uh but on the flip side too you know as a fan respecting our craft as well you know you see it today on social media I mean, I hate to say it, you know, wrestling social media is like is like a house going up in flames, you know, uh, there and not to say that no one is entitled to their their opinions because they are um, just some of the opinions that are out there are just pretty outlandish and pretty outrageous. I wish we could get rid of wrestling social media altogether and just go back to watching the industry as a fan, like the way I grew up with, where there was no spoilers or none of this and that you would just watch weekly episodic tv and you would enjoy what's on your program and you couldn't wait to watch what was happening the next so those are kind of things that come to my mind when i when i when i hear the word craft so gotcha and no and i could definitely agree as much as i know it sounds a little opposite of me having the podcast here but i i have to agree that the uh, sometimes social media does make it like it, it kind of ruins it i always say guys like Timothy Thatcher and a lot of the ones that just completely don't use social media. I think they're doing it right yeah. now. Just let it just be the the sport that it is and allow all the negativity to just stay on the side. Yeah, um, I I can honestly say I don't nearly spend as much time on social media as much as I used to anymore. Not necessarily just due to wrestling, you know, social media, but it's just social media altogether. Uh, you know, there are parts of it that are that are very interesting, and there are parts of it that are great. Uh, but I feel like a majority of it today, unfortunately, I hate to use the word, I feel like a majority of it is very toxic. No, and it's, it's true, De definitely. And again, just, I can agree with you there, not just wrestling, social media, but just as a whole, it almost feels like that's all you see a lot of the time is yeah. that side of it. That's what gets pushed in forward. And unfortunately, a lot of people yeah. like to add to it instead of trying to make it a little better. Well, hopefully, you know, those of us that are, that are doing it right, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of bring, bring it right back to the forefront. Um, you know, again, everyone's got a right to have their opinion and stuff like that. Um, but sometimes I think as a whole for our industry, I think we all just need to kind of settle down and just 
remember, you know, that we're all at the end of the day, even ind individuals that are in our industry, we're all still fans of the industry. So let's just enjoy it as as fans and not get too wrapped up into it too much. I think some are, are so worried about the inner workings of what goes on in the industry that they forget the that what we're supposed to be watching is supposed to be fun. And I, that definitely, I feel like, is it nails it right there. It loses almost the the fandom of it all. Like, there's a reason why we're everyone's doing it. Like, they have that love for it. Or at least that's what it should be about as well. That's what we all got into wanting to be a part of this as well. But let's let's get into that a little bit now. Let's get into what got Sean Donovan into wanting to get into the business instead of just sure. the love where the love came from, but more of what made you decide, you know what, I want to be a part of this as well. Yeah, I mean, I can remember as far back as being a young child watching it with my grandfather was how I actually got into watching it as a fan. You know, I remember, uh, you know, I would sit and play with my my toys. You know, I think I was like four or five years old. And uh, my grandfather, you know, he passed away, unfortunately, uh, when I was five. Um, so I didn't have as much time with him as I would have liked. But uh, he came off the boat from Italy. And at that time in the late 70s, early 80s. I know I'm dating myself with my age at this point, but, uh, you know, he uh, had a love like every other person from Italy for Bruno Sammartino, and that was the go-to. Um, he was the, you know, I hate to say it, he was the messiah uh, of, uh, you know, wrestling at that time. So yeah. that's yeah. how I fell in love with wrestling, how I got into it. But it wasn't until I was older um, that led me into really thinking I could do this. You know, I was probably in probably in my mid mid teenage years when I discovered uh, independent pro wrestling through my brother in law's brother, um, who was a big wrestling fan at the time. And he was going to these local shows with a gentleman. Uh, his name was Brett Schwann. He was one of the first to have like back in the day, the independent wrestling hotlines. Um, oh, it was God. called the Wrestling Clothesline uh, hosted by Brett Schwann. Uh, and, uh, through them is where I started going to independent shows is actually where I, I first originally met, uh, Chris Candido and a number of other individuals and, you know, seeing the guys uh, when you're so used to watching it on TV and you're seeing that these characters are so they're larger than life. You think that there's no way I can ever do this. These guys are, are huge. And then to go to some of these independent shows and see that, wow, some of these guys are no taller than me. They're not that much bigger than me. Maybe I can do this. And, uh, you know, it was through some different networking where I found the training school that I ended up training at. And, you know, the rest is history. Gotcha. So from that moment, again, you get into there. What what would be that moment that made you decide now I'm sticking to this? Like, this is the right path I want to go to. How do we mm -hmm. get the growing from from this picture right here? Oh a, man, a young Sean, you're doing, a young Sean you're doing there. Your, you're doing your research there. That that is probably, I think, if I know that picture correctly, that was probably for my third or fourth match ever. Okay, uh, it's one of the few pictures that I have. You know, it's funny. I get you know sidetracking for a quick second. You know, there was no social media, no camera phones back in 2000, 2001. So everything was taken, you know, by photo, by camera and stuff like that. Yep. So I, I don't have as many pictures from the early days as I probably would have liked to also because we were also taught back then as a different industry, you know, don't take pictures because you're a mark and things of that nature. But uh, 
But yeah, so what made that transition for me was, you know, when I made that connection to finding that school, they I didn't have the money at the time um, to join. Uh, I was working two jobs. I was going to school. One job I was working for my family. Another I was working for a local place inside of a mall, you know, just trying to save up some money. And um, the school that I was joining had a one day fantasy camp. Uh, where they took in, I think it was like 12 to 15 people at the most, um, and giving you just like a little bit of a one-day tutorial of what it's like to be a pro wrestler. And they said that the person who finished first would receive training. Um, and I'm like, oh, this this is definitely my way in. I'm going to nail it. You know, of course, you know, I have picked up a weight, you know, and God knows how long, you know, I was the overweight, out of shape kid when I was in school. But again, that confidence was there. So I went into it and I would like to think that all of my years of consistently watching wrestling and burning out VHS tapes from Blockbuster would lead me to think that I could be a pro wrestler. Um, and, and you know, I did fairly well. I mean, when the camp ended, uh, one of the uh, owners, uh, his name is AJ Sparks. I'm actually still very close friends with him to this day. Uh, we still talk every now and then. But uh, I remember he came up to me and he said, hey, you know, uh, you came in second. You didn't come in first. So I, by the rules, I can't offer you free training, but you did really well in there. So what I can do is offer you tuition at half price. And I don't even think he got the word half price out of his mouth before I cut a check for a deposit. And I think I started training about a week or two later. And uh, I got to tell you, I took that first bump inside of that wrestling ring and I wanted it, wanted it more than anything I ever wanted in my life. Now, years later, I look at it and I see so many individuals that walk through doors of schools that I train at. Um, most recently the, the school that I help train at now. And unfortunately, you know, they, they sign up and they take that first bump. And for some, they realize that it's just not for them. And that's totally okay. Um, doesn't mean you can't do something else in the industry. But, uh, you know, usually once you take those first couple bumps and learn to hit the ropes, you'll decide real quickly whether or not you want some more of that pain or if, you, uh, if it's not for you. But uh, that was my journey and how I got started. Gotcha. No, definitely. Again, that's why I like to do my research to try to find the earliest picks I can. So I started, I was like, yeah. okay, let's try to find the, the the how we can evolve here into the yeah. into the Sean Donovan we know now. So I appreciate that. I'm, I'm a fresh faced, uh, baby faced, <laughs> 21 year old in that photo. So man, again, like but no, again, that, it it shows though. That's why I love to talk about the evolution of it though, because that shows though how much season time you have in the business. Again, that's going. Yeah. If you said 2001 around there, so that's going over two decades of experience. So that's, that's an amazing feat to hear. So I have to ask with that, what, what Mm -hmm. kept you going though? Cause that, that feat alone to get 20 years and to still be doing this. And Mm -hmm. I've gotten to see a lot of your work even recently and it feels like you haven't missed a beat. So what has kept you going with that and making you want to continue in this industry as well? Uh, I think it just comes from a passion perspective. You know what I mean? I think it's just, it's digging deep. And for anybody, it's whether you're in pro wrestling or in business or anything, I think it's just digging deep and finding what your true love and passion is and and kind of realizing like, and I hate to say this, you know, why you were, you know, kind of put on this earth a little bit, you know, to do certain things you do. I mean, uh, I always say you got to have a couple screws loose to do what we do to throw your body around on a, on a thin padding and, you know, plywood and steel beam and uh and do this but that that's the number one word for me still at this point in time is still passion i mean i still have a passion for 
getting inside the ring. Uh, I have an even more of a passion now for teaching and, and bringing up the newer generation uh, and really giving them a lot of the tools to go into the industry as young as they are now with more ammo than what I was given when I was being brought up. Because when I came into the industry, I had some really good teachers, but I also had some that were still of an older generation mentality of, I'm going to give you just enough to get by, but I'm not going to give you all the tricks and all the tips that I know, because at that time, uh, and I hate to say maybe even some guys still today, but at that time, guys were uh, really hell bent on still holding on to their spot. And they felt like if they gave too much information that you would overtake them and take their spot and things of that nature. To me today, I don't I don't think with that mentality, I give you every tool you need to get ahead because at the end of the day, it's my name on the line that you're you're breeding. So if you don't go out there and do the best that you can, you know, my my name's on that on that dotted line of, you know, if you speak my name, that's where your reputation comes from. So, you know, I, I but for me, I, I think that's the huge passion for me going forward now. I mean, obviously, there's only so many years as a performer, you can continue to do this. Um, until your body starts to tell you you've hit your bump card. Um, but I still want to continue in the industry. I love teaching. I love giving back. I love helping out on shows behind the scenes, doing, you know, coaching work and, and agent work and stuff like that. So, um, you know, as long as I'm still breathing, I'm always going to be a part of this industry because it's just so fascinating. And I always continue to learn something new from somebody every single day. So our industry, like any other industry, you never stop learning. Oh, definitely so. And I love that perspective of it because I feel like, unfortunately, especially when you hear the the past generations, you hear that mentality of how they were taught that a lot of trainers back in the day were more, yeah, they didn't want to lose their spot, even though, again, we should want to have the the business continue to thrive and continue to grow. Like, I love your, your mentality of wanting to make sure that next generation is better off as well, and especially that it is a representation of what you are teaching in there. So right. I mean, if you look awesome at the age old, yeah, the age old adage is, you know, leave something better than the way that you found it. Um, you know, I found it and the industry was not as thriving in the early in, in 2001 when I started. I mean, when you look at that time frame and I, I, I have had the conversations with a number of my colleagues that started around the same time. You know, we got into the industry at the worst time because at that time there was only one place to go. ECW had folded. WCW got, you know, eaten up by WWE. So there was really only one game in town. So there wasn't as many places to go. And, you know, people look at it today and I'll just look at the Northeast, right? If you look at the tri-state area, there's a plethora of, of independent wrestling promotions in every state with shows going on every weekend. When I started, there were not that many independent promotions in either one of the states. I mean, I look at New Jersey alone, if I can remember back, there were maybe only four, maybe five or six independent promotions that were running shows. That's a huge drop number from what's going on today. So we didn't have as many places to work. So we really had to seek out and really find where to work. Uh, and that was looking at things through the back of like PWI magazines and looking at results and then looking at the upcoming shows and then, you know, you'd find the address to those shows. And if you didn't, you know, there, you know, Internet was at its infancy at that time. So, you know, you either had to find a mailing address and send a VHS tape with your resume printed out on the back of an eight by 10, hoping that the promoter will look at it. 
or you would drive to that show and take a chance on yourself to help set up things and hopefully meet the promoter and hand them your envelope and see if they would, you know, use you, um, you know, or give you an opportunity at that time. So it's very interesting to see the evolution of our industry, but it's also kind of fun to look back and think how different the industry was over 20 years ago. Definitely. And again, I feel like that's something I would hope, at least especially for workers nowadays, that they take that into consideration how much we have more availability now. Like you could legit do one of these and it's like, well, now I know what shows are going on this weekend. And right. it's it's everything's up to our basically our fingertips at this point. Yeah, it's true. The uh, the evolution of our industry is absolutely incredible to what you have at your fingertips this day. I mean, I I can go back as far as remembering I, I, one of the things that I think helped me really stand out a lot. I mean, I joked earlier about burning the VHS tapes at Blockbuster, but uh, I remember, you know, early in my career, I was always told that you need to study, study, study. So, you know, what I did was I went out and I remember uh, this is when DVD burners were starting to become a thing. Uh, and I'm still dating myself at this point, but I went and I think I literally found every Coliseum home video of WWF and every Turner home video of WCW that I bought off the early days of tape traders or, or the early days of eBay. And I remember converting everything over to a, to a DVD so it was easier for me to use because VHS was going out of style. Yeah. And uh, referee Sean Bennett, who's a good friend of mine who works for WWE, when the WWE Network came out, he would always constantly rib me and joke. He's like, how's your how's your DVD collection doing at this point? <laughs> but well, look, I, I, even yeah. that shows, now it's even easier to be able to do tape study. There's there's no excuse now to be able to not watch some sort of the product, especially with the, the Peacock now being a thing. IWTV, Fight TV, right. uh, the Premier <laughs> Wrestling Network. Now everything is, again at our fingertips to be able to study so many just amazing matches on yeah. there. And it's incredible. But like I said, between YouTube, the Peacock Network, Peacock Network, Daily Motion, um, just clips that you'll find searching through social media um, sites, you'll be able to find so much knowledge that's out there. Um, quick shout out, I see on the chats here, quick shout out to Pete Rosado who said, if somebody sent me a VHS tape today, that would likely be an instant booking. Well, I guess, Pete, you must have gotten my VHS tape, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> there you go. Uh, shout out to Pete, who they just announced their next show as well for We Are Wrestling, so shout out to him doing yep. that. And also, our good buddies Wes and Kyle in the chat watching, always showing support. Thank you guys for always showing love here. So let's – I do want to talk about that, though, because we talked about your coming up in that. But now I want to talk about you getting to train that next generation as well. And sure. how has that been for you? How has that been to be able to now – be that imprint on the next generation of stars that we see in the business it's absolutely incredible um i i never thought you know in my wildest dreams of you know if somebody told me five years ago that i would get into coaching i probably would have said no i'll, I'll wrestle forever I'm, i have you know not gotten into that and then uh you know when i when i joined working with wrestle pro back in 2017 and i started coming to train at the school get the reps in things of that nature. And that kind of just kind of segued over to me kind of just helping here and there. And then it just quickly spiraled into, into teaching. And it's been, uh, it's been very, very fulfilling watching and helping this new generation come up. I mean, I have an elite class of people there to help train people. I mean, you've got LSG who is, you know, world traveled and still doing his thing. And he's really on the up and up and up and coming. 
um, and really making a huge name for himself, you know, along with, uh, you know, another another talent that's been at WrestlePro for a long time by the name of Bobby Wayward. He's been there forever. Phenomenal technical wrestler who brings a different style there. And then you have the sprinkle-ins, you know, when, when Kevin Matthews is there, he's sharing his knowledge. Of course, the owner, Pat Buck, who's done amazing things with WWE and now AEW, sharing his knowledge. You know, when Danny Moff pops through the door, he's given his knowledge. And then the networking that all of us have of guys that just, you know, come by the school and help lend their knowledge to our students. And I'm learning in the same regard. Um, you know, pound for pound, I think we are one of the best schools in the country. And this is not me taking a shot at any other company or any other school, because there are so many great schools out there. Um, I say that with pride and love for our school, with the amount of reputable individuals that walk through our doors. Um, I do think we have a great training school. And again, there are so many great training schools that are throughout the tri-state area. Um, anybody can, can go to. Um, but again, it's very, very fulfilling for me to be able to pass along that knowledge. And then, you know, the same thing when I'm on events, when, when individuals ask me to watch their matches and give them some feedback, I'll always gladly do that. Um, and sometimes I'll just watch the matches in general because I want to know what the crowd's reacting to that. Sometimes I'll just end up watching a match and, you know, giving a few pointers here and there. But, um, I, I always say I can learn something by watching somebody else's match and, and you'll never, um, you know, you'll one thing you'll never hear hear me do when it comes to critiquing a match is I will never excuse my French. I will never shit on a match. I will always point out what are the things that I thought were done great, what were done right, what were done wrong, and what was done pretty well but can be improved upon. And and we're all here to learn from each other. At the end of the day, um, you know, I I know again very differently from my past when I've asked individuals to watch my match. It's been pretty brutal feedback, but, you know, uh, I took the feedback in stride because, you know, I understood the way that their feedback was, was given and it was done in a way to kind of like lift me up in a way, but very hard, uh, hard times. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a hard way to learn. It's that tough love, but it's, it's to, I guess yeah. it was the attempt to make sure, Hey, you take it humble and you keep going with it. It pushed you to keep going. And I would yeah. say that was, that was a tweet of yours that I saw the other day that it re definitely, it, it resonated. I feel like that's a lost art a lot of times of especially newer workers wanting to ask for that feedback as well. Right. I feel like they forget that to use that vital tool of if you right. have a veteran in the locker room, again, if they have the time to watch it, just to ask, Hey, if you yeah. have any thoughts on what I just did and getting actual feedback mm -hmm. as well, not just the, yeah. Oh yeah, it was good. Like actual breakdown and, I, and some notes on it. And even today, I still love asking for feedback. I love asking some of my other colleagues to watch my matches and giving me that brutal feedback. And, you know, I think one of the things I just wrestled uh, Fred Rosser recently, um, he and I came up in the industry together. He started uh, a year after me. So uh, it was really fun to come full circle and work him in a match. And again, even though we we have the same time frame in wrestling, obviously he's gone on to do some incredible things and work some, for some incredible companies that after our match together, we sat down and we broke the match down and we really talked about what we liked about the match, what we thought could have been better. You know, I'm asking for advice on what he thinks I could have done better from his perspective. And, you know, I, I think at that point in time, no matter what kind of performer you are in terms of your years of experience, you can always benefit from using that feedback from other individuals. Definitely. Again, it, it helps and not only to be able to do, to learn from that, but also again, to be able to become a better performer at no matter what stage of the game you are in, in the business.
So that's yeah. that's great. So I okay. I, I wanted to see where I take okay. So we're going from your training style to be able to help th that breed, but also you are known, like I mentioned that tweet to post those tweets like that. That's why in the intro, mm -hmm. I use that the honest vet. What, what made you want to put out those tweets? Like I always, I can't wait to see one of your tweets. Like I have it pinned to make sure when you tweet something, the notification is there. Like it's yeah. always, it's always a great thing to see. What inspired you to do that? I, you know, I think for me, it was, you know, when you learn how to use social media as a valuable tool, I think one of the things that I always lacked was Twitter. Um, I was always trying to find my niche with Twitter. And it seems like Twitter is always a niche audience of certain things. And I just remember one day I was, uh, I was looking through some different news articles and stuff online. And uh, I always remembered uh, my mother used to read these articles called Dear Abby. Um, that was always in the newspapers and just, I don't know what it was, just a light bulb in my head clicked, you know, and I was just, I was trying to find my niche with Twitter. And I just said one day, I'm like, okay, dear, it's almost like a, like a love letter in a way, <laughs> yeah. you know, dear indie workers. And it's just something that came to my mind about something that I saw at a show. Um, and for whatever reason, um, it just, the one tweet picked up a lot of steam. So I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. I don't think I've ever had this this much interaction on Twitter. Let me try it again. And I just, you know, but I wouldn't necessarily sit there thinking about what to write. Usually it just comes from something that I see, something that I hear when I'm at an event or something that may have sparked a conversation or something that somebody may have posted online that just kind of pops into my brain. And that's just kind of where it came from. But I also was looking to use Twitter from a different perspective too. Obviously, you know, us as performers, you know, we're character based, you know, and, and obviously, you know, you're there to promote your brand on all three platforms, but I wanted to use my Twitter in a different light and not necessarily in a negative light, um, just kind of sharing advice and tips with, with our industry. And I'm sure it's a lot of advice that are many in our industry already know about, but maybe there are some that maybe weren't taught that stuff, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes maybe people aren't, you know, students of the game aren't taught certain things at their school. And one of the things that I try to bring very realistic um, tendencies to the students at our school is making sure that we teach them the outside etiquette of our industry um, and just how things work and how things go. As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of unwritten rules in our industry. So that's kind of just me kind of just freestyling is trying to bring some of that advice to the to the page. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. As we mentioned earlier in the in the in the in the interview, uh, sometimes, you know, you'll have those individuals, what I like to call the uh, the, the the keyboard warriors that that have yeah. to throw their sense in or you know, try to make light of certain things that are whatever. And that's, that's okay. Those are, those are their opinions. It's everyone's entitled to their opinion. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to rile any feathers, but sometimes the, the stuff that I put out is just plainly speaking what the truth is. And obviously some cannot handle the truth, but it's not meant to be, my Twitter is not meant to be anything negative. It's meant to, you know, promote events and just, you know, shed some light on our industry of, of things that can be used as a positive. No, definitely. And again, that's, that's something like I talked, we talked about earlier. I, that's a perfect way of, again, not adding to the, to use the the toxicity there, but adding some positive light to it and making it so right. it is a vital tool. 
Because that's how I yeah. feel like, especially with, with our business, that it's one of those where you're able to use it as a true marketing tool and just as a right. vital tool as, as well to spread that awareness and spread some things that, again, could be used very, very much in the business. So. Yeah, that's 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 my my aim for uh, using my wrestling Twitter is really just to get some valuable, excuse me, some valuable feedback across and just kind of seeing where the interaction goes with it. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times it gains a lot of traction and and sometimes it doesn't. And that's totally OK, too. I'm not one of those that's sitting at the edge of my my seat, you know, looking and counting how many likes and interactions. I'm not one of those individuals. I really don't have the time of day to really care that you know a post of mine got 50 likes or got 500 likes i mean hey if it got some traction that's great if it didn't I, i'm totally okay with that too you know i've got a i've got a real life to worry about so gotcha. hey again it definitely it definitely does gain that traction though and it it shows with who's taking that advice like especially there was one tweet that i was like okay so i have been doing this somewhat the right way when you talked about podcasting and the the picture yes. tweet that you posted. And I was like, okay, cool. So I, it's not crazy to want, because it's usually, I've done a lot when I'm doing graphics for companies. I'm like, hey, can I mm -hmm. get an updated uh, image? But for the podcast, right. I took the same uh, instant because I was like, I'd rather use yeah, a, a, an approach to it to make sure that it does have the most updated look because you would hate to be like, okay, yeah, let's use this image. They haven't looked like that for like five years. <laughs> like, it, Yeah, it, it I mean, just, that, that image you showed of me from 2001 be There we go. <laughs> Are you good? Can you hear us? Uh, I can hear you, but I can't okay. see you now. If that matters, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh -oh. well, we can see you. So as long as I guess if you could hear us, that that works. All right. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, the the image from uh, two thousand one. You were saying. Yeah, I was saying it'd be pretty interesting if somebody found that image inside to use that on a poster <laughs> or a podcast piece. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, no, again, that's why I, even that I was like, no, let me make sure we get something updated. So that way, cool, we have the graphic here for the actual uh, podcast cover and all that. So I always like Appreciate to make sure that. it's the most, most updated. So that way we have something or especially if it's someone that I, 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 I've seen around. Okay, let's make sure we get the proper graphics and all that done. But let's, let's, let's keep it going here. So now let's do a little bit of promoting as well. Let's make sure we let people know uh, next mm -hmm. time they can see you, which is coming up. July 22nd is going to be for mm -hmm. sure start pro wrestling here. Uh, it's going yep. to be actually the day after my birthday. Oh, crazy enough. So there you go. It'll be wrestling against Yosefer L there. So talk to us yeah, a little exactly. about this. Are you familiar with Yosefer's uh, yeah. work as well? Yosefer, I am. Yosefer is one of the students from our WrestlePro Creative oh. Pro New Jersey school who's uh, been at it for the last couple of years. And he's really starting to uh, make his way around the independence. He's got a very unique uh, character um something that uh is very uh barbarian-esque out of you know the early days of of the world so uh very familiar and looking forward to uh mixing it up with one of my students oh that's awesome again that adds another element to it now that it's a it's going to be a nice test for yosefer as well to get in there with you and see how he can hang with uh with his, with his teacher there that's great no I actually I, now that i remember i actually got to call one of yosefer's matches at um at Project Codename Wrestling a while back, so that was a, a good time to get to see his 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 uh his take on this character as well. Nice coming awesome. in, so that's awesome there. But also just announced earlier today, let's get this out of the way as well. 
uh, WrestlePro announcing their return to Rahway on September 17th. Tickets yep. coming soon as well. And that also will be streamed on Premier Streaming Network. So, guys, make sure you go follow WrestlePro as well. Stay up to date with all things that they're doing because some huge things as well. So, stay up to date as they'll be doing Sunday Light on September 17th. So, yeah. And you guys uh, I have, yeah, I have some other dates coming that haven't been 100% confirmed yet, but one that did uh, get confirmed today. And I, I know uh, Pete Rosado's part of that is. Uh, I believe it is September 8th, Friday. Uh, we are wrestling returns and I will be a part of that event as well. Um, so that's was just confirmed today, but I do have some other things coming up in the month of uh, July and August that I'm just finalizing with. Um, so be uh, keep on hold for that. I'll be announcing some more stuff soon. Gotcha. Just to make sure you guys are able to stay up to date with that. Go follow Sean Donovan as well. We'll plug that now. So that way they stay up to date with that. Go follow him on, on his social media. So you stay up to date with all things. Sean Donovan. I appreciate there. that very much. And shout no, out to no Pete. Problem. Appreciate the opportunity with working with We Are Wrestling. So definitely. I'm glad to see it back. And I know me and Pete have been talking a while about when he's going to be returning. So great that the, the show has finally been finalized here. So September 8th, they are back with Deja Vu. Definitely go follow We Are Wrestling to stay up to date with all things uh with that event coming up as well. So now Absolutely. let's let's talk about this because this is a, a definitely something I wanted to ask you about. And just sure. hearing your thoughts on and just what the experience was getting to be a part of the very famous Crockett Cup here. But for man, I know you're, you're I definitely am not a stranger to, neither are you, with right. Bayonne Badass himself, the King of the North, nope. Danny Ma. You guys bringing yep. it back together there with Sense Slaughter. How was, yep. how was that experience for you, getting to be a part of the Crockett Cup and getting to be a part of the NWA? Uh, absolutely surreal in a way, because when I grew up watching wrestling, I was lucky enough in the area that I was in, uh, with whatever type of cable or TV package that my family had back when I was a kid, not only did I get WWE, uh, on TV every week, I also got to experience, uh, NWA, which then turned into WCW. And, um, you know, as I grew into the industry and studying the industry more, the more I fell in love with the NWA product, um, you know, it was just a different product. It was it was real to me. It was wrestling uh, the way it should be. So to be able to be a part of those three letters and to be a part of the Crockett Cup and to be when you think of how many great performers are out in the industry and how many tag teams are out in the industry that, you know, Danny Moff and I were selected as one of 26 teams to be a part of that tournament. Uh, was an incredible uh, opportunity. It was an incredible couple of days to be a part of uh, their their brand there and seeing how their production, how everything works, and obviously getting to work, uh, you know, with the opponents that we had in the first round. Unfortunately, uh, I took the pinfall on that one. You know, Flip Gordon caught me with a flurry of offense and was able to pin me and move their team on to the next round. But uh, incredible opportunity all around it was incredible to team up with danny again which uh, we hadn't teamed since he had originally been signed to ring of honor back in 2019 so it was really fun to be able to put the team back together and uh you know hopefully we'll uh we'll be putting that team back together a little bit more going on in the future and uh seeing what we can uh bring back to tag team wrestling on the uh, independent scene i was gonna ask that because again it was good again to see you guys back together again I was going to ask, is there a chance we would see another run of Sense of Slaughter? Because I feel like when you guys first initially got together, it was just a dominant run, winning 
championship yeah. after championship after championship. So uh, <laughs> yeah. could we could yeah. we see a little more sense of slaughter after this at the Crockett Cup? Yeah, I definitely think you will. I mean, Danny and I and I have had conversations, and obviously we both have our individual schedules, but uh, we'd like to be able to make it work and be able to bring sense of slaughter to uh more places and and uh you know if the opportunity arises we'd love to entertain that i think we bring a fresh and unique style to tag team wrestling not just with our years of experience individually combining it um but just with our looks and the way that our styles are we bring a very smash mouth uh in your face style that uh you don't see a lot and uh you know, no offense to any other tag team out there, but, uh, you know, we're two grown ass men that love to fight. No. And again, that was something where I feel like it fits so perfectly when you think of the history of the Crockett cup and who's, who's yeah. been the, who's, who's have been in there. Just when you look at it to see you guys get, get announced, it was great to see. It, it just makes sense when you're thinking about, especially the teams that could fit in the caliber of the Crockett cup. It was great to see you guys because I feel like it was just it fit like a glove. It was perfect to see my, your styles going into there. So I appreciate that. Yeah, and I uh, I can like I said earlier, it was a it was a great opportunity. We got great feedback from those that were in charge, and uh, we just keep on rocking. You never know what's going to happen. There you go. Awesome. So now speaking of that style and speaking of the the style that you bring to the ring, I now mm -hmm. want to ask. What is the Messiah of old school? Can you break that down a little bit for us? And what sure. did um, where did that moniker come from? Um, yeah, so I I don't want to say I was floundering in like 26 or 20, uh, 2016 or 2017, but I felt like I was in a little bit of a rut and uh, I felt like the current iteration of Sean Donovan had run its course and I was looking to really just completely switch up the character. And for the first 15 years of my career, I always wore long pants um, and only white boots. Um, you know, for 15 years, I, I always had a flashy, colorful side, which to be honest, was never really me. Um, but again, as we come up through the industry, a lot of us, you try different iterations until you find what sticks. But uh, uh, again, I go back to Danny Moff. I give him, you know, credit there. He is the one that said, you know, why don't you try wearing trunks? And uh, I always, uh, like many other wrestlers uh, in our industry that suffer from, you know, bouts of body dysmorphia, we don't think that we look the certain, the right way or the certain way. And I always thought my legs were small, even though they're strong. Um, I, you know, if you see some people around, they just, they're built with tree trunk legs. And I always felt like my legs were small. So I always shied away from wearing trunks. I took his advice uh, and I ordered a pair of, you know, just basic trunks and with knee pads and boots and uh, really changed up my style and really just bring it back to an old school smash mouth style from the guys that I grew up watching, like Stan Hansen and Terry Funk and things of that nature. And uh, that's kind of where my style kind of got reborn from um, and the look kind of got reborn from. And it went through a couple of iterations to you know, to what it is now. But uh, the name really came from uh, just joking around in the car and stuff like that. Uh, again, I bring it to my buddies Falaba and Danny Moff and Justin Carino, where we were all driving in a car and, um, you know, they would see me. I, and again, I, I said earlier, I'm not on social media much, you know, these days as I used to be. And back, you know, even a couple of years ago, I was on my, my phone like 24-7. 
And I remember, I don't remember offhand if it was Falaba or if it was, it was Moth, but they were saying in the car, oh, you know, you know, Donovan or, or Dips is, you know, one of my nicknames is, you know, oh, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's the Messiah of social media or he's the Messiah of this or Messiah of that. And I, I think, you know, one day, you know, I was watching old clips of stuff because I, I tend to study the old stuff. I don't really tend to study a lot of the new stuff today um, because I'm always looking for different ways to stand out um, with my work. Um, and I, I think it was Moff who had said, why don't you just call yourself the Messiah of old school? And that was all just came from joking around. And sometimes that's where the, the, the ideas come from the most is when you're joking around and things of that nature. And I thought to myself, it's a pretty interesting nickname, you know, let me dig into that a little bit. And, you know, uh, before that I was calling myself the genuine article, which was kind of like an iteration of the character now. Uh, but that's where the Messiah of old school came from. And it's, it's kind of stuck. And I've, I've evolved the character to where it is now with some different looks, updated ring jackets, but still keeping that old school style feel to my gear. You know, my gear is not flashy. It doesn't have any sequins on it. It's just basic old school, you know, with old school logos on it and things of that nature. And that's, you know, where the Messiah of old school came from. And um, the iteration of the character really just came from the fact that, uh, while I love how the industry has evolved, I think sometimes it's evolved into into some things that for me, when I watch matches, I just can't get into. Um, and I want to bring wrestling back to that old school way that it used to be, that NWA style, that realistic, hard-hitting Smash Mouth style mixed with that early 90s All Japan style where it was just guys going at it and just beating the holy hell out of one another and uh just really mixing it up that's you know my my character so it's easy to play on when you have some of the new school guys that are that are around and they're doing all these incredible um acrobatic feats if you combine my style with theirs well now we can really tell a fun easy story yeah that's that's definitely it adds to that element now of the contrast works so well because they're working mm -hmm. around this but hey now you're bringing that that realism back into it that's that yep. true just fight style to a match would definitely it, it, it it's it's very entertaining to see because it now brings that true fight of hey this is what i bring and it brings right. that oh this is what we're used to and what we saw to the evolution of what we're seeing now in wrestling so that's great yeah and and for me it, it brings out my true personality because i can take the real feelings that i have and i can weave that into stories because that to right. me is what i lacking the most in a lot of professional wrestling now especially on the independence um in certain cases it lacks some of the realism and i think we need to get back to some of those basics and fundamentals and and get real again no definitely i can agree with that and i i feel like that's what work why it makes it work so well and this is why we're here and having this conversation because you it's it's not even i, I called it a moniker but i feel like it it, it defines perfectly it's not even playing a character here it's more of just showing a different side if you will almost yeah and I, one of the things that i take from that is you know if anyone's ever heard of what's called an elevator pitch you know a, a lot of times that that's what i try to talk to some of our students about you know and other individuals that ask me for advice and i ask them okay well what's your elevator pitch on your character and usually an elevator pitch is really just tell me about yourself in like 30 seconds and I've always said that if you can't define what your character or what your persona is in 30 seconds or less, 
then maybe you have to figure out what that character really is. Um, Because it shouldn't be complicated to explain what your persona or what your character is to someone if they don't understand what it is. Definitely, because you want to make sure, again, if it's not, if you can't fully explain it or understand what you're doing, then the person you're telling it to are not going to be able to. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely something where you want to make sure you know who you are before you're trying to say, so yeah, this is who I am. Like you want to be able to explain that fully in order for it to even resonate with the with the crowd and with the fan base as well. There it is. Perfect. So from from that, I do. There was one name you mentioned there that I I should have taken one of the pictures, but uh, I should have screenshotted that. My apologies. But there's one person that gear wise I saw that definitely shows their inspiration was there, and you mentioned him, Terry Funk. How yep. important was Terry Funk, especially? with not only your style, but also with just who Sean Donovan is in professional wrestling. Huge. Um, it's funny, again, watching wrestling growing up as a kid, um, Terry Funk to me was incredible. And as a kid, for some reason, I always gravitated more to the villains. Um, don't know why. Um, maybe that's just me and my personality um, of being a, being a villain. But uh, Terry Funk really stuck to me um, because he was this outlandish character that had, st- I didn't realize it at the time as a kid, but growing up and studying his work, he just had so many layers to him. And I consider Terry Funk the GOAT, in my opinion, because he was able to not just stay relevant, he was able to transcend every decade in a different way for over 40 years. And when you think about that, how many performers in our industry can have a 40-year career where, or even a 50-year career still wrestling um, and still having notable stories and notable feuds? Um, I can't think of very many. But, you know, for 50 years, Terry Funk consent, continued to transcend and make himself relevant and valuable in every decade that he was a part of. Um, to me, that's why I think he is, is, is the goat of, of pro wrestling. Um, but very valuable to me because I've taken a lot from his career and taken a lot of and studied a lot of his work and then applied a lot of what he has done in my work and just and switched it around and made it work for me. Whether it's something that he would do from a selling aspect or something that he would do from a character perspective um, and just being, you know, over the top with that. And uh, to me, that's what Terry Funk is, has meant to my you know, to me in, in my career, and I'm still studying his stuff, even, you know, I can watch his promos over and over and over again and find something different that I can take from the same with his matches. Um, so he's definitely one of my go-tos of studying. He's, he's uh, you know, uh, the, the gear idea was, you know, uh, was a tribute, you know, to him and what he's done, you know, for me and helping reevaluate my career and my in-ring style. So, you know, I, I love that aspect. Gotcha. And there's one more name, especially you, get, you mentioned him earlier, getting to meet him. And then I saw recently um, you were able to even induct him into a Hall of Fame. I want to mention the name Chris Candido. What yeah. does that mean to you? Oh, tremendous. Um, Chris was one of my early mentors. Um, you know, back when I was training at the school that I came up in, him and Balls Mahoney used to come up to the school um, and train with us at least a, at least two or three times a month in my early part of my career. Um, and he was such a breath of fresh air to be around because he 
you know, while we all had the same trainer at that school, he would always come and lend his knowledge and he would bring a different way of looking at the industry to us. I mean, he would not only just get in the ring with all of us at training and work with us on the fly, which working on the fly is incredible feat to learn in our, our industry, but he was such a master at it. Um, but then he would just sit around for hours and he would talk to us. Um, sometimes we, you know, class would end at 1030. We would still be there at one in the morning, just listening to him talk and tell stories. Um, and one of the things that I always got from Chris, one of the big things that he always taught me was um, the, uh, the, the phrase of um, don't take yourself seriously, take what you do inside the ring seriously. And if you think about that from Chris's perspective, the way that he portrayed himself as a character, he never took himself seriously. And I think that's what made him an incredible performer because what he did in the ring, he took very seriously. Um, he was an incredibly underrated talent. And, uh, you know, getting to be in locker rooms with him uh, the early part of my career um, was incredible. To then fast forward to 2023 and be able to play a part in inducting him into the ISPW Hall of Fame was a pretty, uh, pretty cool thing. Kind of full oh, circle definitely. moment. That, that I can imagine that was, I was about to say, and it's, it's a perfect just storybook there getting to do something like that in full, just storytelling. Amazing right there. Just being able to have that inspiration, get to learn from him and then induct him into a hall of fame there. And I, I feel like those two names definitely show, that inspiration shows through not only what you do in the ring, but just, again, the, the character as a whole, you could see those little nuances in that. So that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, definitely. So now I do, I do want to pick your brain on this about, again, we've talked about you as a character. We talked about you in the ring. So now, and especially with you as a trainer as well, what is, who are you looking at currently and saying, I need to get into a ring with them? Like, is there a certain talent? Is there someone that, shot, that you're looking at like, yeah, we have to make this match happen? Yeah, there there is a plethora of talent that is out there, especially in the tri-state area. When I think about it outside the tri-state area and I see them on some different shows, one guy I'm impressed with is an individual by the name of Starboy Charlie, uh, who I think okay. that our clash of styles would be really cool. Um Guys that are within the tri-state area, man, there there's so many. But if I can just pinpoint two off the top of my brain, and I've only one I'll mention first. I've only worked him in a, in a tag match before, but it's working with uh, one half of the Iron Savages in uh, Bronson. Um, okay. Uh, great guy. He brings the same kind of Smash Mouth style that I do. That I would love to be able to get in a ring and work with him one on one. And then if the other name off the top of my head, because there's just so many talent, talented performers that are out there that it's hard for me to mention, you know, everybody. Um, and I'll try to think of them off the top of my head a little bit. But one person I have yet to get in the ring with that I'm surprised no one has made the match yet is myself versus Darius Carter. I am so glad you said that because that was the <laughs> one name I was about to say that I feel uh, like the promos and just just the story you guys would tell alone yeah. without even would touching be would be great yeah it would be a which lot i'm of hoping fun. pete is still in yeah. the chat because i feel like he's <laughs> now writing this idea down so right yeah definitely he's definitely <laughs> one name um off the top of my list that uh, i've always wanted to get in the ring with and and be able to see how our styles can really 
come together and, and provide something entertaining for, for the fan base is definitely uh, something that's, you know, uh, has, has yet to be done. Um, so those are two names off the top of my head, but there is a plethora of talent throughout the independent circuit. Um, you know, when I look at guys from our sister school in New York, you know, I would love to get in the ring with a Bobby Orlando, um, you know, also would love to get in the ring with, um, uh, even with Danny Moff teaming, I'd love to get in the ring with waves and curls, um, and be able to work with their them as in a tag team capacity. So there, there's just so much talent out there um, that I would love to work with that I have yet to work with. So, uh, like I said, only time will tell, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Gotcha. No, and then that I was about to ask that as well. Is tag wise, is there anyone you're looking at? But definitely that match, waves and curls. I feel like would be a perfect just to now even the odds there, especially with the match that Moff had recently at. Uh, uh, N.E.W. that mm-hmm. featured one of the members as well. That was a just a true just I feel like it almost went an hour as well. So that would be a great yeah. match to and see all four he, of you guys in there. Yeah. And you talk about feedback, too. I mean, you know, again, Moff and I texting back and forth. You know, he sends me his matches and I'll I'll continue to watch them. And we will always talk about what we thought went right, what we thought could have been done better. And we're always just again, same thing. You know, he's not afraid to take advice from me. I'm certainly not afraid to take advice from him. Um, and that's what makes, you know, teams better, but that's also what makes performers better as a whole is, you know, getting to pick apart matches with the people that you trust and be able to talk about it in a professional manner and say, Hey man, I, maybe I would have done this here, or maybe I would have done this here, or maybe I wouldn't have done this at all. Um, it's all different flavors of ice cream. And that's one thing that one of my other mentors, Dr. Tom Pritchard taught me is that it's all ice cream. It's just different flavors. There's not necessarily one right or wrong way to do something. At the end of the day, if it gets a reaction from the crowd, you're doing something right. That's 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 perfect. I love that again. Another just another phrase I love to always say about the business as well, because it truly it goes that way. It's one of those where there is so many styles of it, so many ways that again, as as long as it's being done, that there is something coming out of it. That's that's great. So absolutely that's awesome. But again, Mr. Don, I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. So I have one yeah. final question I do want to ask. So for the Messiah of old school, for Sean Donovan, what Mm -hmm. is the end goal? I'm sorry, what is the what? Uh, What what is the end goal? I think the end goal for me at this point in my career is just to continue to have as much longevity as I possibly can to still be able to strive for different opportunities um, that come through me. Um, And whether that's going to be for an in-ring role or a behind-the-scenes role, who knows? But I want to continue that longevity for me. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, before, you know, at some point, the the bump card is going to fill up for Sean Donovan. And at that point, um, you know, it's time to move on to something else. But I'm always going to stay involved in the industry because I love it that much. Um, I would love for it to be in a coaching or a producer-type role someday. Um, you never know. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I absolutely love what I'm doing now and I don't, uh, see an end goal in sight. So I'm just going to keep on keeping on every day. Perfect. And again, love to hear it. Mr. Donovan, thank you again for joining us for everyone watching. Please don't forget to go follow Sean Donovan on his social media. Follow him there on Instagram, Sean Donovan zero one, follow him on Twitter. So you can get those amazing tips as well at Sean Donovan zero one right there. And also, like we mentioned earlier, go see him 
on July 22nd facing Yosefer L. As announced earlier today, WrestlePro making their return to Rahway on September 17th. Also, check them out at We Are Wrestling on September 8th at Deja Vu. So, Mr. Donovan, thank you so much again. This has truly been a pleasure. And I definitely think we, we're going to have to eventually do a part two because I feel like there's so much more I want to ask. But again, I want to be respectful of your time as well. I am always down for round two whenever you want. Just reach out. We'll set a date and we'll talk shop. Thank you again. We'll definitely will. And guys, for everyone watching, thank you so much again. For As always, don't forget to be wise, be genuine, be real, be better people, respect the craft, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.